My soul was in sin. My heart was in shame. I didn't know Jesus, not even his name. Then I heard his sweet voice saying, Come unto me, Christ can do for you what he's done for me. Given your life and let him show you his love is best of all. Give him your life, let him prove to you he'll answer when you call. His love is sweetest, his promises they're free. Sin he forgave my heart, he did cleanse, and my soul he disdained. And now I am born where my Savior I'll your life and let him prove to you he'll answer when you call his love is the sweetest his promises oh they're free Christ can do for you what he's done for me give him your life Give him your life and let him prove to you He will answer when you call His love, it's the sweetest His promises, for his love they're free Christ can do for you what he's done Yes, the Lord will do for you what he's done for me. I can't take a heart that's broken, make it over again. But I know my Lord still can. I can take 
a soulless and sick, make it whiter than the snow. But I know my Lord still has. No one can help you And life's at an end Well, I know my Lord still can I can't walk upon the water Or camp the angry sea but I know my Lord still can I can cause blind eyes to open Or make the lame walk again But I know my Lord still can to open our Bibles this evening, first of all, in the book of Romans, chapter 10. And we're reading just a few verses, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. And then we're turning to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, and one verse from God's Word there. That is, first of all, in the book of Romans, chapter 10. And we're commencing reading there at the verse number 9. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart 
that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 it says, Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And God allowed his blessing to the reading of his precious word. For his name's sake, let's bow our heads in prayer. Eternal God and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee and we praise thee for the privilege of gathering round thy word tonight. And we pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will write thy word upon each and every one of our hearts. We pray that by thy Spirit, O God, that thou will take the word that thou hast given to us and that thou will apply it to the hearts of those that are gathered here tonight. Thou knowest their condition. Thou knowest their standing before thee. And I pray that by thy Spirit that thou wilt convict them and show them, our God, the greatest need of their hearts is the need of thy salvation. And so to this end, O God, I trust you now for power. Thy power, it shall not fail. The words that thou this night shall give me shall and must prevail. Cover me in the precious blood. And O God, give me anointing of thy Spirit. For I pray in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake and glory. Amen. Now in these verses that we read this evening, you'll find that there is a thought that is in several of these verses, verse number 9 of Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then, of course, it says in verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under, under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And so therefore you realize tonight, I want to talk to you about being saved, salvation. It's amazing, you know, the reaction of people when you ask them a simple question. Are you saved? Some people look at you, absolutely dumbfounded. They haven't a clue what you're talking about. They just have not one clue about this saved business. That perhaps you have challenged them. Are you, are you saved? There are other people, whenever you ask them that question, they get rather annoyed, they get rather angry. And they say, how dare you ask me that question? That's a personal thing between me and God. And of course, that's an excuse for them to try and just bat the question away from their hearts. Well, look, the question is very simple tonight. Are you saved? And you either are you're not. And I wonder tonight, as we would think about this uh, thought tonight, salvation and being saved. 
You know what I'm talking about. I remember when I, my brother came home whenever I was a, a young boy. My brother came home from a gospel meeting conducted by the late Edmund Sanford, the CWU evangelist. And he came in and he said to my mother, I was lying along my mother's bed, and, and uh, my brother came in and he said, Mommy, I have something to tell you. I got saved tonight. Now, my mother knew exactly what he was talking about because she had a godly mother, and therefore she knew exactly when he said, I've got saved, she knew what he was saying. But I wonder tonight to you. I remember going to school. After the night I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, the 4th of June, 1957, I went to school the next morning. I said to my friend sitting beside me at the desk, I said, Joe, I have something to tell you. I got saved last night. And this is true. He looked at me. He says, why were you drowning? He hadn't a clue. Not one clue had he what I was talking about. And I wonder tonight when it comes to God's salvation, and when somebody asks you, are you saved, what your answer is. Because, friend, either you are or you're not. It's not in between. You're either born again of the Spirit of God. We were singing about Nicodemus. You must be born again. And that is the same of God's salvation, born from above, because salvation is of the Lord, as we'll see in a few moments' time as we study God's precious and God's holy word. You know, of course, a person can be saved from drowning, as Joe was talking about. I think of a young person who was, who was drowning, and he was going down for the last time. And then a lifeguard jumped in, dived into the water, and pulled him out of the water, and the person was, the person was saved from death. Of course, a person can be saved from a fire. A child was trapped inside a burning building. And one of the firemen uh, rushed into that building and brought that child out of that building. And he was saved from, from death. He was saved from burning. But friend, I'm not talking about saved from drowning. I'm not talking about saved from, uh, from burning. I'm talking about saved from something else. Well, what is it? You say, well, what is it? What is it? Saved from what? Well, the answer, of course, was given in the book of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Do you remember whenever the angel was speaking uh, to Joseph? The angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. That is concerning the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel told Joseph that Mary was going to bring forth a child. And that whenever she would bring forth this child, Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. In actual fact, that's the only word in the Bible that we're told that Joseph ever spoke. We're not told of anything else that Joseph ever said. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Well, let me tell you, when he said that, he said it all. Because the exposition was given, why would you call him Jesus? It says, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people, here it is, from their sins. And that's exactly what salvation is. It's salvation from sin. And that's why we need to be saved, because we have sinned. And we read tonight in the book of, uh, the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, it says, whereby we must be saved. Now, it's not might be saved, or I would suggest that you should be saved, but it says whereby we must be saved. It is a divine necessity. And here we find the very substance of, of, of the gospel tonight. It is salvation. We need to be saved. We must be saved. You say to me, well, why? Well, because of our sin. 
You say to me tonight, how about hold on a minute, preacher? That's nothing to do with me. Then it has everything to do with you because it had everything to do with me. The Word of God says there is no difference. I don't care who you are. As I say, you don't care whether you're the queen in the throne or whether you're the pauper in the street, friend. As far as God is concerned, there is no difference. What? For all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short or fallen short of the glory of God. You see, God says, thou shalt, and man says, no, I won't. God says, thou shalt not, and man says, I will. And man has fallen short of the standard which God has said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And there's not one tonight in this meeting could stand in the sight of God Almighty and say, God, I don't need to be saved because I haven't. Broken your law. God says you have. There's no difference. All. All have sinned. Now, of course, you say to me tonight, well, I don't agree with you. But friend, let me tell you, it's not about me. You see, your argument's not with the preacher tonight. It's with God. This is God's book. And either you believe that this is a word from God or you reject it. And I tell you, you can reject the word of God. But I'll tell you, there comes a day when you stand before God and the books will be open. And the word of God, my friend, will stand before you on the day of judgment. And you'll be judged according to the standard of God's word and what God says in his word. And God says you're a sinner. And that's a very humbling thought. Do you remember whenever the Lord Jesus Christ was walking through Jericho and he was was coming out the other side of Jericho and the Bible tells us a wee man called Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus but he had got a problem. He was too small. But he earnestly wanted to see Jesus who he was and so the Bible says that he ran before the crowd. He got up into the tree. He went back to his childhood days. You can see the wee man just trying to get up into the tree. And as he got up into the tree and he hid there in those branches, and the Lord Jesus and the crowd were walking past, and as they were walking past, immediately Jesus stopped underneath the tree. And Jesus looked up there in the branches, and there was Zacchaeus. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down. You say, what's that to do with me? Let me tell you, friend. If you're telling me tonight you're not a sinner, I'll tell you what you've got to do. You've got to come down out of the tree of your pride. That rotten, stinking pride that tells, you're you're trying to say, but I have not sinned. Other people have sinned. Tell that to the down and out. Tell that to the adulterer. Tell that to the whoremonger. Tell that to the gambler. Tell that to the drunkard. But don't tell it to me. I'm not like them. Maybe you're not as far down in the gutters of sin, friend, than some of those folks, but let me tell you, you're still in sin. Because every man was born in sin. I've often said, God give Anna and I five children. You know, friend, let me tell you this. Not one of those children that I had to teach to tell a lie. Isn't that amazing? I can still see them, you know, and maybe they've taken something that, that, that they shouldn't have taken. And you say, who took that? I didn't. Are you sure? No, daddy, I didn't. And friend, let me tell you, Lord, I am through their teeth. I didn't have to teach them to tell me a lie. I did have to teach them ABC. I did have to teach them to spell. I had to teach them to count. But I never had to teach them to tell a lie. Why? Because their nature was a nature of sin. 
They had a nature. They had the bent to sin. And we and I, you and I, friend, irrespective of where we come from or where, my friend, you and I are, are in as far as society is concerned, the Word of God says there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I say this tonight. Until you come to the place where you'll acknowledge that you're the sinner, there is no hope for your salvation. You will never be saved. You will never be ready for heaven and home, friend. And on the day whenever you stand before God to give an account of your life and the sins will rise from that book of God's record and every last sin will cry out for judgment on that day when you stand before God because your sins have never been repented of. They've never been cleansed. They've never been forgiven. And they stand against you. And yet you said, I, I, I'm not a sinner. See, you're walking in dangerous territory if you think that tonight. And I'll tell you why. Turn with me for a moment, please. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. And the first epistle of John chapter 1 is best that you read this tonight. Because this is what God's word says. 1 John chapter 1. If you look, first of all, at the verse number 8, it says this. If we say that we have no sin, that's it, isn't it? No, no, I have no sin. I don't need to be saved because I have no sin. What does it say next? It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now notice this, we don't, it's not we deceive others. We deceive ourselves. And what an awful thing, men and women, to go through life and to head out into God's eternity and close your eyes in death and then stand before God and go out into a Christless eternity having deceived yourself all of your life. Deceived yourself. I'm all right. I'm no sin. But it goes further than that. Read the rest of the verse. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're lying. We're making ourselves liars. Now, friend, you can deceive yourself as long as you want, but I want to tell you, there's coming a day when you will answer for your sin, and it's far better you face up to it now. Many a man has not gone to the doctor because he was afraid of the doctor saying, you have cancer. But tell me, does that take it away? Does that remove the tumor? There's many a person, let me tell you, and they could have got the tumor removed, but they didn't go to the doctor because they were afraid to face the truth. And then the grave tonight. And they're in God's eternity. Why? Because they deceive themselves. I'm all right. And there's multitudes in hell tonight. And they're in hell because they deceive themselves. Because they said, I have no sin. Now God says you have. But there's something else. Go down to verse 10 of that same chapter. Let me see just what God says again. It says, if we say 
If we say, now this is us talking, if we say that we have not sinned, in other words, we say we have no sin. Now we're saying we have not sinned. We haven't practiced sin. We make him a liar. You see, in the verse number 8, we're making liars of ourselves. That's dangerous enough, friend. But in verse number 10, it says we're calling God a liar. I'll tell you, that's dangerous ground. That's dangerous ground to walk on. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Why does it say that? If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Because Romans chapter 3, verse 20 say, 23 says, All have sinned. What we're saying to God is, no God, you're wrong. I don't believe you. Natural fact, I defy you. I have not sinned. Now, friend, are you foolish enough tonight to pretend to your soul that you haven't sinned, that somehow that you're perfect? That there's not a sin that stains your soul? That there's not a sin that stands between you and God. The Word of God says that we're all under sin. Galatians 3.22. We're all under sin. And the word under there means to be shut up as a prisoner in the solitary, hopeless depths of or confinement of a dungeon. We're shut up in the dungeon our sin. And that's why the psalmist said, in Psalm 40, he drew me from the fearful pit. Because that's where God got us, in the pit of our sin. In the dungeon, in the solitary dungeon of our sin. You see, the alcoholic is under the power of the alcohol. The drug addict is under the power of the addiction. The sinner is under the domination and the power of sin. I remember when I was a younger preacher, we lived in Highfield Road in Macrofelt at the time. Every Saturday night, there was a lad that would come down Highfield Road and bang on the door with a glass door at the time. It was before the troubles really had really started. And he banged on the door to get in. And I remember him sitting down in our front room and sitting and crying like a child. He says, you know, I've tried, preacher. I've tried to break the power of alcohol. And there he was one, another Saturday night, full crying under the influence of his drink. You see, he's under the power of sin. He's under the power of And so are you tonight. Maybe you're saying to me, I'm my own man. This matter, I'll do what I want. It's not true. It's a lie. You're lying to yourself. Because if you're still in your sin, that means you're dominated by your sin. You're held captive by your sin. 
And you'll never be able to break the chains. You'll never be able to set yourself free. You haven't the power. Why? Because you're under. You're under the domination of sin. That's why you must be saved. You need to be saved from your sin. The power. You must be saved from the pollution of your sin. What does Isaiah say? We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. What an awful thing. And yet there are multitudes of men and women and they say, well, I'm good enough. And I believe at the end of the journey that God will just open the door to heaven and God will let me in. And yet the Bible says that all your righteousness, in other words, that's the best that you can do, are filthy rags in God's sight. And that was your offering to God, friend. Say, God, let me in. There's a wee verse in the book of Revelation that says this. Not that defileth shall ever enter in. And yet your offering, defiled, rotten, stinking rags of your sinful self-righteousness to God and say, God, that's my ticket to heaven. That's the best that I could do. And that is. That's the best you can do. Because remember, you and I were sinners at best. Sinners in our sin. And friend, you need to be saved from the rottenness of your sin, the pollution of your sin. But you need to be saved from the penalty of your sin. For Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin. You see, there's a payment for sin. And payday is coming. And God says the wages of your sin is death. Separation from God. Isaiah chapter 59 says, Your sins have separated between you and God. And friend, if your sin is not repented of, if your sin is not turned from, if your sin has not been brought to Jesus Christ for cleansing, your sin will stain your soul and take it to hell itself. For all eternity. To be cast away from God, to be banished from God forever. You know what Jesus said? He says in John chapter 8, verse 21, Ye shall die in your sins. Listen to this. And where I am, ye can't come. How many men and women have been buried by their preachers. 
and they died in their sin, friend. And the preacher stood before their family and stood before a congregation and stood there in a service of thanksgiving for that person's life. And they've given them a free pass into heaven and said they're in heaven itself. And let me tell you, not matter what he says, they're already in eternity. I remember a wee man in Macrafelt. I got to know him through being his member of parliament. And I was always witnessing to him about the Lord. He was a very loyal person. He loved this country. But sad to say, he didn't love Jesus. I remember him going into hospital. When he went into hospital, I went to him and I talked to him about his soul's salvation. But he was too, he just was too sick to talk to me. I still talked to him. Then one day I was visiting him, he said to me, he says, Mr. McCray, tell me this. Do you know somebody, I want to make my will. He says, I friend, you've got the wrong person. Because I learned something in my life as this that you don't meddle in people's wills. Because those that get it left will never remember that you helped them. And those that didn't get left anything, they believe you kept them out of it, so therefore you stay out of it. Good word of advice. Stay out of it. I says, you've got the wrong person. Well, he says, tell me who she... I said, listen, that's a solicitor. But I want to tell you something. He says, well, could you ask him to come? Well, I said, I'll ask him to come on one condition. And when he walks in, I walk out. Because I'm having nothing to do with it. I knew the family, and I can tell you this. I knew the last thing was to get involved was in that row. I've been enough rows in life, and I don't look for others. But I remember the sister did come, and I walked out. I stayed outside until the sister was finished, and I watched him walking out from the hospital. And then I walked down to him, and I said, friend, why did you make a will today? Well, he says, you know, Mr. McRae, I'm not well. And it's possible I'm not going to make it out of here. So tell my friend, and when you close your eyes on death, what then? Are you ready for God's eternity? No, he said to me, he says, you know, Mr. McRae, I'm an awful pain today. And I begged him to give his heart to Christ. But he says some other time, says, I, friend, now's the time to be saved. Friend, let me tell you, the next day, that wee man was in God's eternity. I pleaded to him for the last time. He didn't know it, and I didn't know it. I remember he belonged to a particular denomination. But he asked me would I speak at his graveside. And that his minister would do the speaking in the house, the church. I never forget going to the, the house. I stood beside the grave, and the minister, he was standing in for his colleague. And I remember well, he turned to me and he said, you know, well, uh, did you know, I'll 
call him John. Did you know John well? I said, yes, I did. And I told him what I told you about speaking to him about his soul. The sad reality is I spoke to him for a last time. But he didn't want to come to Christ. He left me standing the side of that coffin in that room. And he went to the first room, the front room, and he started the service. And this is what he said, friend. He says, our brother is no longer with us. He's in glory today. That man made himself a liar with a collar around his neck. But he didn't change the destiny of that precious soul. Word of God is clear tonight, and I want you to get it. God says the wages of your sin is death. Your sin is a solemn and serious matter that you need to tend to tonight. And the Word of God says you must be saved. You must be saved. And if you die unsaved, God's Word says, where I am, you can't come. But you die and you go to a lost eternity. And that book, let me tell you, hell's as real as heaven, friend. And you're there forever. And those that die in Christ and go to be with Jesus, they'll never want back. And those that die without the Lord Jesus, listen, will never get back. Eternity. Eternity. You must be saved. Very quickly tonight, notice the means of salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. Acts chapter 4.12 There is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. What does it mean? Savior. Savior. Do you remember what Jesus said before he went or left his disciples and went? to prepare a mansion for his children. That's what he said. Jesus says, I am the way. Now notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He says, I'm the only way. And I want you to listen to me carefully tonight if you forget everything. God forbid you forget, but listen, if you do, I want you to remember this. You can get to heaven without riches. You can get to heaven without fame or fortune. But you'll never get to heaven without Jesus. Remember that. You'll never get to heaven 
without Jesus. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. He's the only way to heaven. You don't get to heaven via the church. You don't get to heaven by the sacraments. You don't get to heaven, friend, through the communion rail. Or by some promise that was made by your parents at a confirmation service. Or baptism. The way to heaven is through Jesus. The only way to heaven. And you miss Christ tonight. You reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you this. You refuse the offer of Christ's mercy and grace. And you're rejecting heaven itself. Because Jesus is, I'm the way. The truth, the life. And then he said this. Lest somebody would misunderstand. No man. No man. Get this. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus. He's the only way. And I beg you tonight to realize that salvation, the very substance of your salvation, it's in Christ and in Christ alone. But you say, what must I do to be saved? Well, the word of God says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to call him. You've got to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, the person who calls is a person who recognizes need. I need the Lord. Do you see that tonight? I need the Lord. I need the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Why? Because there's only one to call to. It's the Lord You're acknowledging your only hope is in Christ. Your only hope. Do you remember Peter? The Lord Jesus came walking in the water. And they thought it was a spirit. And then Peter said, be not afraid. It's I. Be not afraid. Peter, he spoke up and he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee in the water. And Jesus says, Peter, come. And Peter stepped out of that boat. Because remember, the Lord's invitation or command to Peter to come was the enablement to do it. He gave him the authority. Christ walked in the water and Peter, the Bible says, he stepped out of that boat to go to Jesus. And he was walking on that water to go to Christ because Christ commanded him to do so and commissioned him to do so. And then Peter took his eyes of the Lord and he got caught up with the wind and he got caught up with the waves and he began to sink. And as he was going down into the belly of that sea of Galilee, friend, he lifted his eyes just as he was about to drown. 
and he lifted his eyes to the Lord and he said three words. He says, Lord, save me. You know what the Bible says? Immediately. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And thank God he pulled him out of the water. And Jesus and Peter walked back to the boat. And it wasn't until that they got back to the boat and into the boat, the Bible says, that the wind ceased. They walked through the storm. And many of God's people will walk through many a storm, friend. But thank God, I'll fear no evil. Do you know why? Because, Lord, you're with me. There's the secret. He can bring me through the storms of life. When the storms of life are raging, tempest wild and sea of land, I will find a place of refuge in the hollow of his hand. Let me ask you, do you know the Lord tonight? Have you called on him? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. He's the only one tonight. He's the only one can save you. You know, a marshal in Napoleon's army and he was totally devoted to the, the emperor. And one day the marshal lay mortally wounded, mortally wounded in battle. And as he lay dying, he called for Napoleon to come because he thought his mighty Napoleon could save his life. Napoleon came. And the record says as a man, the dying man felt the cold, merciful hand, merciless hand of death drawing him irresistibly behind the curtain of the unseen world. He was crying out to Napoleon, Save me, Napoleon! Save me! But Napoleon couldn't. And the young man died. Peter cried, Lord, save me. Thank God he could. He could. And he still saves. The word of God says he saves to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's the simplicity of salvation. If you recognize that you're lost and hopeless and helpless and sinful and unclean and realize that the only hope of salvation and the only Savior from sin is the Lord Jesus Christ and in mercy you call out for mercy and you call out for salvation. Lord, save me. Thank God the word of God says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, but thank God shall be. There's the certainty, the surety of salvation. Have you called? Queen Victoria, quite often she visited the humble and poor. On occasion she went to a lonely cottage And there she 
met an elderly woman. She sat down with that elderly woman, and as Queen Victoria talked to her, she asked the elderly woman if there was anything she could do. The old lady looked at the queen and said, Your Majesty, I have everything I want, thank you. But I'd like to give you something. I'd like to do something for you, said Her Majesty. And the old lady said again, I have all I need. But if Your Majesty would promise me one thing, I'd be very glad. Queen Victoria sitting beside that elderly lady in a humble cottage. She said this, I shall do that if I can. And the old lady said, oh, your majesty, if you just promise me to meet me in heaven, that's all I want. And this is the record of what Queen Victoria said. Softly and yet firmly she replied, I shall do that in virtue of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, that's the way to heaven. Christ died for our sins. Yes, he was buried. Thank God he rose again. Victor Roar the grave. And he's still able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God, listen, by him. He's your only answer. I'm asking you the question tonight. Are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? Dare you place your head on the pillow tonight and close your eyes and sleep? Maybe never to open them again in time. And close those eyes unsaved. And go out to a lost sinner's hell. No hope. No refuge. No savior. But here's the word as I close. Whosoever, whoever you are, whoever you are in this meeting tonight, whosoever shall call, and the word call is a child's cry. Just as a, a child cries out in need to a mother, Mommy, help me. So you can cry out, Lord Jesus. Save me. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
May God give you grace to call. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight we thank thee for thy precious word. And I pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou will write thy word upon every heart in this meeting tonight. Show men and women tonight there is only one way of salvation. And it's through the cross work, the finished work. The shed blood of Jesus Christ, he died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good that we might go at last to heaven saved through his precious blood. Oh, dearly, dearly is he loved. And we must love him too and trust in his redeeming blood and seek his work to do. Oh, Lord Jesus, speak to hearts, Spirit of God, Draw men and women, young people, to thy son. Salvation is in Christ alone. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, friend, the meeting will be over in a moment. I ask you the question in the presence of God Almighty, that you're sitting in his presence right now, do you know Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your Savior? If you don't, will you come to him? Will you call upon him? You say, how do I do that, William? You do it the only way you can. You come as a sinner, lost and hopeless, you're never able to save yourself, but you rest your soul on what Jesus did for you upon the cross of Calvary. And you receive him, the Lord Jesus, as your Savior. As many as receive him, to them give you power to become the sons, the daughters of God even to them that believe on his name. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I wonder if there's someone right now in this meeting you say, Preacher before God, I realize I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. Would you lead me to the Savior? We're not going to embarrass you, friend. There's a little inquiry room just across the hallway there. We can go privately, and Brother McLaughlin or myself will gladly open the Word of God and show you from God's Word how you can be saved and be sure you're saved and be certain of heaven, as sure as if you're there, through Christ alone. Is there a desire? Maybe there's someone backslidden. Will God forgive me my backsliding? Yes, he will. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if there's one tonight in this meeting, 
and you want to indicate that desire that you mean business with God, and then as others are making their way for their tea or going home, we can gather privately around the Word of God. Would you indicate that desire right now? Would you just lift that hand toward heaven? Just lift that hand above your head, indicating that desire, preacher. I want to be saved. Backslider, I want to be restored. O Lamb of God, I come as a one. O God, don't let men and women walk away without you. Bring them not only to the realization of their sin and the realization that there's a Savior, but, O God, bring them by faith to the Savior tonight and save their soul. In Jesus' name.